0: Welcome to the Fod-Eater Fod-Path. <laughs> hey everybody, Froth here, Thought eater blog and podcast. Welcome to the show, I'm so glad you're listening. I really do appreciate you checking out uh, my shows. Let me turn off my do not, dis- turn, on, turn on, do not disturb here so my phone doesn't start buzzing and whirring on you guys. Anyway, I'm starting some of this in my car, uh, Hump Day Blogorama. It just takes a long time to do, and uh, so I got to sneak little bits and pieces in sometimes when I can. So, kind of doing the intro here uh, Tuesday afternoon, but you'll be listening this Wednesday. And what is the Hump Day Blogorama? Well, it's a weekly show. Every Wednesday, I spend all week looking at a bunch of RPG blogs, uh, really enjoy RPG blogs, the creativity, um, the individuality that goes into them and the content's unbelievable. Um, I don't think, you know, I think for a lot of gamers, they're just oblivious to the blog scene. They don't, they don't, they don't even consider it. But if you, once you start, start dipping your toes into that river and, uh, and you start taking a look at it, you, you see that there's this whole other kind of world of content out there that's really just freely available. And, uh, all you got to do is start, you know, shifting your perception and paying attention to it. And I think you have a, a richer gaming experience from it. So that's kind of what the show's all about. I love blogs and I want to support bloggers. So I'm following tons of blogs, picking out some highlights I talk about them here, and then I point y'all over to these blogs over on the Thought Eater blog, Froth, dnd.blogspot.com. Worst URL ever, I know. Stuck with it now. Way too many links to redo, so just go, just Google Thought Eater blog. Uh, anyway, uh, over there I'll have all the links that I talked to about, uh, talk about on the show. So you can go and find them. It's got archives of uh, a bunch of old Hump Day Blogorama shows. So, um, anyway, lots of good stuff. And if you like it, when you go click on these links, you know, be sure and leave a comment. Say, "Hey, great post!" or "I enjoyed this." Anything like that. It's like, uh, you know, sweet nectar to a to a blogger to have some, you know, to feel like somebody noticed what you wrote and enjoyed it. So. Anyway, I had a great call in from Mr. Larry Hamilton from Follow Me and Die, and I'm going to play that real quick. Here we go.
1: Hey, Froth, this is Larry Follow Me and Die. I thought you did a great job with your words about James. I really appreciate you uh, doing that, and uh, in some ways your blog kind of feels a little bit like you're taking up the torch. I realize you started it quite a while ago, but it it's not done. It continues. Uh, hopefully someone with the time, interest, and inclination to uh, emulate what James did will rise. But if not, we'll still have... Ways to find out about cool things. People will share. um, And. uh, I just really appreciate you sharing all the different finds. Well I guess I better pull a Jackson. Uh, I really appreciate. You sharing all the finds that you come across. Not all of them are of interest to everybody. But sometimes you find stuff that's just wow why didn't i know about this sooner sort of thing and like the uh, maps and the sounds some of those i already knew about but not all of them and uh, it's really cool to come across new things so thanks a lot i hope you keep doing this for a while i know it takes a large time commitment so i just want to say thanks
0: thank you so much larry i appreciate that Uh, appreciate you so thank you and um, if y'all aren't following along with uh, Follow Me and Die and Larry Hamilton um, he's quietly building a media empire um, and uh, his latest venture uh, if you go over to YouTube and look for Follow Me and Die you can find Larry's uh, channel there and he started this whole video series on first edition AD&D you know kind of uh, everything you wanted to know about first edition but were afraid to ask you know and uh, um, it's getting a really great response I'm seeing like a lot of conversation in the comments and stuff and people are enjoying it and um, Larry knows his stuff so if you're interested in learning more about first edition AD&D or you already love it and just want to you know listen to somebody talk about it or you have no clue about it you're Listening to this, and you've only played fifth edition or later editions, and and it, first edition seems like some strange, arcane, old, you know, nonsense, and you want to try to understand it better. Uh, I recommend going over to YouTube and subscribing to Larry's Follow Me and Die channel, and checking out those new first edition uh, videos that he, uh, he's got up. I was actually looking at it today, and I saw there's two up so far, and I'm sure there's more on the way. So. Thanks again, Larry. I appreciate you. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about maps. I usually talk about maps at the beginning of the program. Um, I just, you know, I say this every time, but maybe it's because I have no artistic talent (laughs) as far as actual drawing or cartography goes, but I I just love uh, RPG maps. doesn't matter what system it's for. Um, I just respond to it. And uh, I've got this huge folder, gigs and gigs of maps I collect. And uh, this week there was some really awesome stuff, actually so much that I actually had to cut some. Um, And it's still got four things to show you. First up, Dice and Logos, the the, uh, crown prince of OSR mapping. Put up a post, 2019 Geomorphs and Dice turns out um, Dyson is working on some geomorph dice. Joe at Inkwell Ideas has launched a new Dungeon Morph Dice Kickstarter. And um, every die in this new set will have at least one face that Dyson designed. So I put up some images of that. Those dice look rad. I mean, those things look seriously rad. So, gosh, I'm kind of kickstarted out, to be honest with you all. But I don't know. I might have to get in on this one because these look like just a really cool, unique set of dice. Check them out over at the thought eater blog. I'm sure you'll feel the same way your wallet. ain't going to thank you, but your table, your gaming table will. And then over at the vintage DM, I like trying to, you know, talk about bloggers and and mappers, you know, that, that haven't come up before, you know, and this is Edward Kahn. and, um, Uh, The VintageDM.blogspot.com Now what's weird about this post Is there's no title I didn't realize you could do this on Blogger But since there's no title I just linked to their blog And so if you're listening to this You know, weeks from now You might have to scroll down Until you see the post That starts to mention Ask Morgar Barrow And this is actually A really cool old school style map I love the the little flourishes on this one And um, Edward also has a an adventure that goes with this so you can just print this to PDF and have a whole little just you know free little adventure and uh, it's really nice and um, looks like it's statted for yeah it's got like the swords and wizardry style stats so you got descending and ascending AC and a really cool map with it so go over to the vintage DM and look for that S morgar barrow post and follow the link over on thought eater and kelvin green You might recognize the name Kelvin Green, talented artist and uh, author, uh, did the um, Forgive Us, uh, Lamentation of the Flame Prince adventure, and I believe, (sighs) I should have done a little bit more research before I started this, but I think there's a new one from Kelvin, um, Coming out for lamentations. It seems like I read something about that, but anyway, what you got here is if you're you're running 5e or you have played in uh, Curse of Strahd, it's an alternate Barovia map. Kelvin says my GM didn't like the player handout map in Curse of Strahd, I asked him to draw a different one, and oh boy, did he ever! It's a this awesome old school style Barovia map. If you've run Curse of Strahd, you'll immediately recognize all the different locations, and I, I really like this. It's not a hex map or anything, but uh, it's it's really cool, so if you're a fan of the Curse of Strahd, I thought it was a mixed bag myself. I know it's by far and away the most popular, or at least up until the, the recent Waterdeep stuff, it was the most popular of all the 5e adventures um, on several different poles and things like that that I, I saw. Had some good, had some not so good in my opinion, but uh, the maps were killer, and um Kelvin did a great job on this, so check that out over at kelvingreen.blogspot.com, an homage to Barovia. And then finally, Bruce Hurd, which should definitely be a rec- uh, name that old-school D&D fans recognize, um, was the uh, kind of head of the team at TSR that worked on Mastara and had his hands in a lot of different things, including a Voyage of the Princess Ark series in Dragon Magazine, and has since then started this world of Kaladar setting that's kind of based around, kind of in the same realm as the Princess Ark with, like, magical flying sky ships and stuff like that. Well, anyway, over at bruce-herd.blockspot.com, There's a post called Of Map Design, and what's cool about this is it talks about, it shows the design process from just a sketch on notebook paper with all these notes and stuff written in the margins and everything, and to actually designing it and getting it to be, you know, a map for the book. So I thought this was really cool to see it from, you know, imagination and doodle, um, to, you know, notebook paper doodle and notes to, um... To, you know, to a finished product, uh, product, so that was really cool. And Bruce Hurd's definitely one. When I mean, you talk about these old school guys still doing it and everything, Bruce is one to support. He always seems just a, such a nice, nice uh, person uh, to everyone. Really open about answering questions about um, you know Mistara and you know stuff from from those days. So, kind of like a living legend, honestly, in D&D. So, go over there to bruce-her.blogspot.com. Check out that Of Map Design post. And uh, let them know you like it. Lots of good reviews this week. In fact, just like the maps, I had to cut some stuff out. Uh, But, um, you know, it's weird kind of reviewing reviews. So, I I just try to point people at these uh, if you you might be interested. But the first thing I'm going to talk about... Uh, this is over at, yeah, the indie RPG pipeline.blogspot.com And I wanted to lead with this one because this is actually a really cool blog. Um, I try to cover more than just solid D&D and OSR and, uh, classic gaming on here. I, I want there to be value, um, to any listener and I like all kinds of games. So, um, I, I try to keep adding more blogs and expanding, follow people's, uh, blog roles and kind of expand my scope and this blog uh, again, the Indie RPG Pipeline they do a lot of uh, reviews and they're kind of just short easy to digest reviews but they're um, Epistolary Richard is who runs this blog and they're but it's it's a constant flow of all these kind of little indie obscure games, not necessarily obscure but ones that uh, you know, don't get a lot of You know, don't make a lot of headlines, but seem interesting, a lot of them. And uh, the one that I was going to mention here is called Mall Kids. And Mall Kids is a simple tabletop RPG about teens who work at a mall and the events that make up their daily lives. And I thought this was funny because it just brought back memories. Because when I was growing up, you know, it's not like now where, you know, malls are all going out of business and, you know, there's even websites devoted to, half empty malls that are all overgrown and and all this, uh, the mall was like a cool place to be. We'd get my mom to drop us off at the mall on a Friday night and, you know, go and, you know, try to, try to, uh, try to make girlfriends and, um, hang out with the, hang out with your friends and always go to the music shop and, uh See what's going on. You know, those are gone now too, I guess, except for a record shops. So the records are doing really well, but it was just a different time. And, you know, you'd have some friends that worked at the mall and maybe sneak you some food and <laughs> all these kind of things that happen. So, this looks like a, just like a fun kind of story game or simple game where you navigate a single day at the mall and take turns framing scenes for the characters to play out. You know, so I don't know if you were a teen that hung out at the mall back in the day at the arcade or any of that kind of stuff, this, it looks like it's just like five bucks. So it might be, you know, a fun diversion, that sort of thing. Oh, the days at the mall. <laughs> it's funny. Um, okay. So at halls of the Nephilim, this is punverse.blogspot.com. I brought this blog up before old Justin, Ryan, Isaac doing a great job over here put up a movie night review. It's a uh, kind of story, simple storytelling sort of game called movie night that I actually have a copy of this and I like it too. And I uh, just, liked it mentions not the biggest fan of, um, storytelling games, but fell in love with this one, simple system and, um, talks about taking it to the youth services library and run it with the kids and teens at, at their library. And, um, it's a simple game where you kind of develop your own movie and it's got a lot of 80s influence. Um, It says it has uh, adventure ideas based on E.T., Jaws, The Last Starfighter, Goonies, Gremlins, all that good stuff. So not too distant from the, uh, from the mall kids game. But uh, if you want to hear more about movie night, this one's on Lulu and and it's really affordable. And I think uh, pay what you want on drive through too. So, Go over to the punverse.blogspot.com, check out Justin's uh, review of uh, Movie Night. So a few weeks ago, I talked about Ann Hunter's DIY and Dragons uh, blog post about Glog, which is like the new hotness amongst OSR aficionados, and uh, it seems like 99% of the posts I see over at the uh, OSR Discord are all about Glog, so a lot of people are crazy about it. And uh, Luther over at Archon's Archon's Court, A C R. Oh, God, lady, <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> I took my daughter to dance and everything. I haven't eaten yet. My stomach's eating itself, and my brain is a little bit fried. So, apologize. Archon's Court, A R C H O N S Dash Court dot blogspot dot com. You can do it, Froth. Luther over there put up a review. It's really helpful posts actually breaking down the different variants of Glog and what's different about them, how they work, what the different hacks are. So there's links to them too. So you get rat on a stick, owlbear stew, moon hop, and die trying, which, uh, if it sounds really confusing to you, you're not alone. So thank you, Luther for helping, helping, the the challenged amongst us like froth to, uh, to better understand glog. Still not quite sure I get it, but I'm getting there. All right. Age of dusk. This is prince of nothing blogs.wordpress.com. Uh, this person does a lot of reviews and kind of like Bryce Lynch. They don't like something they don't hold back. When I review stuff, uh, I tend to kind of, I don't know, self select and review stuff that I like. (laughs) So I like, much rather be positive than negative about something. But at the same time, you need honest reviewers. That's why I don't make a very, you know, that's why I'm not uh, a famous reviewer, I guess. You know, you got to be able to say you don't like something, say when you like something, say when you don't like something. So but you want somebody to be fair. And I think they are fair and they're a really good writer and interesting to read. And they review a lot of uh, different Lamentations of the Flame Princess stuff. And there's a review up here of the Punchline, which is a Zarkov-Kowalski adventure. One of the mo- more recent or most recent Lamentations releases. And one that I haven't picked up a copy yet because I just cannot justify the wild shipping to get this small book. I'm hoping my local game shop gets a copy or that I end up, you know, ordering two or three things at once to justify the shipping cost. It's just something I, I like to have their books in print. Uh, a lot of the, I don't ever use the the core rules of Lamentations, not a fan, but uh, a lot of the adventures are, are cool. And um, so this has got a review of the punchline, a recent, uh, recent adventure that sounds really interesting. And I think it's a, a fair review. And so if you, If you're like me, still on the fence, or you haven't, uh, you know, grabbed the punchline yet, I thought that might be of interest. And you can check out some of the other reviews on there uh, and see if you agree about uh, Prince of Nothing's uh, talents as a reviewer. Finally, a little Call of Cthulhu sneaking its way in here. Cthulhu Invictus. Um, You know, most people are aware of the, you know, kind of 1920s Cthulhu stuff, or maybe even the Gaslight But there's also uh, Dark Ages, Invictus, this is like set in ancient Rome. There's uh, Cthulhu Now, which is like kind of modern day and everything. So this is a review over at rollingboxcars.com on uh, a guide to the new uh, Cthulhu Invictus book for 7th edition. Uh, and it's fairly well detailed. It goes into you know chapter by chapter talking about it. So if you like me or are a fan of Call of Cthulhu and want to maybe try it in a different uh, time period, uh, you can check this one out. If you're into you know ancient Roman history, pretty cool to set a Cthulhu game in that time period. Who am I gonna make it today? <laughs> I appreciate y'all sticking with me. <laughs> right, here we go. Okay, so this is really cool, Thomas Denmark might be a name that uh some of y'all listening recognize. Uh, has done a lot of different kind of O D and D spin off games, uh as uh, you know, proprietor of the Night Owl workshop. So it's games like um Warriors of the Red Planet, Guardians, which is a cool like superhero deal, uh Freebooters, which is Pirates, Raiders of the Lost Artifacts, which, as you might guess, is kind of a pulp um you know, pulp sort of twist on it. Really talented and creative. Um, so Thomas runs the old school D&D blog, originaleditionfantasy.blogspot.com. They put up a post uh, wishing Dave Trampier, legendary uh, TSR, you know, D&D artist, um, uh, happy birthday. And then mentions the Wormy comic strip and that they found a site that's got all of the different Wormy comics in order. And I put up a link to that, too. It's all the... You know, so you can just scroll through and read the old Wormy comic from uh, Dragon Magazine. And now, you know, I was young enough when I started playing to where a lot of the comics and, you know, cartoons and the magazine were part of the highlight. Because I I didn't... A lot of it was completely foreign to me. I didn't understand what the heck a lot of it was even talking about. But I I could always turn towards the back and get to Wormy. So... If you uh, were a fan of uh, the Wormy comics and everything, it's got a site where you can go and just you know, go from uh, comic to comic and read through the entire run of the uh, the Wormy comic strip. So I thought that was awesome. So check that out. So 5e D&D is super popular, if you weren't aware of that. Uh, so I'm putting all these under the heading, D&D is super popular. Because I'm seeing more and more just in mainstream media, you know, people talking about D&D, which I think is awesome. Um, And uh, there's a post in the uh, Washington Post uh, just here recently on the 18th of April about how Dungeons & Dragons somehow became more popular than ever. And so it's a good read. Uh, It's kind of like video clips of Anderson Cooper talking about loving D&D and... um, it's got an image up of uh, the Girls' Guts Glory cast. It does a, a web stream of their game. And it mentions, it says, early episodes were met with harsh comments, like there's no way they actually play. No one plays D&D who looks like that, one of the uh, cast members recalls. And that really p- honestly pissed me off for reading it. What kind of losers make comments on some girls' video stream being critical like that? They're so, you know... The more things change, the more things stay the same, but I just read that, and I was like, God, you got nothing better to do than to try to dump on somebody's fun? It's just ridiculous. Uh, Imagine that person. Imagine their life. God. Anyway, getting a little off topic, but... So it goes into the the crazy, rampant popularity of D&D right now, and then I put up another post that I saw, you know, there's a whole amazon page you know storefront for everything D D now where for a while it was just you have to search and search to find stuff now they've got everything from the key storylines to apparel and accessories and everything easy to find on amazon and then to take it even further over at crumblingkeep.com they have a post professional gms dungeons and dragons in your office that's where you can write in and say, uh, looking for a different sort of team building exercise, need a way for employees to unwind, crumbling keep can bring Dungeons and Dragons to your office. And so it's like, uh, you know, pay GMs to come and run D and D at your office is like a team building exercise. So there, you know, there's a market for that now. So yeah. Uh, and then I've thought I'd top it off, you know, cause I remember the, the first, you know, how it was so popular back in the day, um, and how to kind of huge cultural impact like it's having now. And over at uh, the gray hawkery blog that I've mentioned before, grayhawkery.blogspot.com, They put up a great post to take you back in time, old D and D commercials. So it's some D and D commercials from the, uh, from the early eighties. There's three of them on here. So I thought that kind of brought it back full circle the days when there were, were Dungeons and Dragons commercials on TV and then now uh, it's in The Washington Post talking about Dungeons and Dragons somehow be- becoming more popular than ever. It's a cool hobby. Uh, what can it, you know what else can you say? It's awesome. so I'm glad people I'm glad people are into it. Uh, it just seems like we've still got some folks out there that call it gatekeeping or just call it being a troll. We got still got a little bit of work to do, but I think we'll get there eventually, right? Alright, so when I come back from this break, we're going to do some random tables. And I've got a little di- bit of different twist on uh, the random tables than the past few episodes. So, be right back. Ha! <laughs> I just heard what you did with your kid with the intro and the ad for Anchor. And it was very funny. Very cute. Very cute ad.
1: And now, a word from our sponsors.
0: Alright, so random tables... I uh, bring them up a lot because I love them, but other bloggers seem to love them too because there's always a wide variety of random tables each week. What's different this time is, you know, I realize I'm always talking about them, but I never roll on them, and rolling is the fun, so we're going to roll on these this week. First at signsinthewilderness.blogspot.com. This has got a really cool byline, a 1700s post-apocalyptic hopeful frontier fantasy setting for role-playing games. So think about that. Meditate on that for a minute. and You get an idea of what you're getting at the Signs in the Wilderness blog. And the post is called The Great Migration. And it's talking about the American frontier history being full of different migrations. Why do we care about them in a role-playing game? Because they're often a consequence of conflict. They cause conflict of their own. Migrations need resources. And migrations bring resources. So it's got some tables to create a great migration in your game. And the first one here get out my old trusty d8 why migrate let's see a bountiful land full of resources beckons to those who are ambitious or desperate that's a story old as time itself difficult terrain a major obstacle in the way of the migration something that's some kind of difficult terrain that's going to be hard for everyone that's a d10 see what we get here that's a 10. A journey on open water, over the sea, across the strait, or hopping from island to island. Well, we're already getting uh, kind of close to an adventure or a whole campaign arc, really. Progress. Let's see how the migration is progressing here. Six. Most people, most of the people all already traveled the first step a while ago, but ran into problems and hunkered down. Now they have to decide whether to keep traveling or return home, so maybe stuck on one of those islands. With the the promised land not far away, but uh, maybe you know harsh times, winter, something like that. Surplus and shortage. People on this journey are going to need help. Roll we'll once on the chart to see what they need most desperately. All right, what are we running out of here? Oh, money, trade goods, or permission to pass through someone's territories. So maybe the reason they're stuck on the island is because there's some people in the way that ain't going to let them through. Hard work ahead. The migrants believe they'll have a hard task ahead of them at the end of the road. So what do they got to do if they ever do make it? They've got to clear the wilderness to make room for settlement, felling trees, opening rivers, digging wells. So maybe somebody discovered something out there that'll make people wealthy, but none of the uh, infrastructure or any of that work has been done. So that's pretty cool. So you go over to signsinthewilderness.blogspot.com and check out that great migration post if you think that might be something you want to use in your games or for inspiration. Then we're going over to engineoforacles.wordpress.com Daniel James Hanley's Creations for Gaming Home of the Ghastly Affair RPG This is random 18th century villages for a gothic sandbox What's a gothic story without an isolated village filled with dark secrets? Oh, okay, I like that. So the basic layout of the village, D12, got a 12. The buildings primarily cluster in a gridiron of streets forming short blocks like a miniature city. The basic layout of a maritime village. The buildings primarily cluster on a square of paths with one side on the waterfront. And the waterfront has D4 piers, the main source of fresh water, D4 streams. Overall impression of the village it's overcrowded at first glance. And the village population, so you see where this one's going 600 plus a D100. 1,402 until the PCs come into town it might be 1,401 so this one keeps going for a while but you get an idea Uh, it's got everything famous produce of the village multiple different kinds of villages this is actually really good so go over and check that out random 18th century villages for a gothic sandbox this has got a lot of detail really well done. So engines of or engine singular engine of com. You can go check that out. Then over to blasted, blasted cratered land, cratered land.blogspot.com. Movers and shakers cities, towns, and villages all should be in perpetual motion with more going on than just a few shops and quest giving NPCs. A village may, uh, so this is about power players, people that are uh, the the real movers and shakers, uh, according, according to the title of a village. And what's cool is this has got one of those HTML button deals that I've talked about before where I don't have to roll, I can just click it. And so the power players are some bureaucrats who want to be left alone, uh, the church who's knee-deep in the supernatural, and farmers who are new to the area and making waves, pissing off the existing power players by their mere existence. So it's got a little bit more detail than that. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. So if you want to um, kind of generate different factions and ecosystem of power players who pursue their own goals and catch the PCs in the middle of their schemes, uh, that's a, another great idea for a table. So you go to crateredland.blogspot.com. Check that one out. And then this one, flocks, P-H-L-O-X, flocks over at whose measure God could not take whosemeasure.blogspot.com put up one uh, Tuesday, some magic weapons D10 plucked organs Uh, it's got some wild magic weapons on here, and then one which is Lorato's plucking Iklawa iklawa, an aged short spear when it rolls max damage it plucks an intact organ out of the target's body, and you roll it on the table below to see which organ you pluck let's see which organ Four. your intestines spilling digested food? <laughs> Love it. And if you roll a three, you get your stomach spilling half digested food important distinction there. So I like the cut of uh, Phlox's jib. That's uh that's something I, I uh, that's a table I can get into there. So anyway, you go to uh, all these different places, uh, different sites I mentioned, and it's got some cool random tables. I uh, hope you enjoyed me rolling on them a little bit. Some of them are a little bit long, so I'm not going to completely bore you with it, but it's maybe more fun than just hearing me just say, and uh, this random table's on this. We actually roll on them and see what you get. So you should do the same. Go and roll on them see what you get. A couple of, uh, I'm just calling these, uh, just titling this helpful links. Uh, it's not very descriptive there, but... If you're into Dungeon Crawl Classics or uh, Holmes Basic, these are very helpful links. Good, uh, you know, kind of bookmark, file away links. Um, you know, Dungeon Crawl Classics, they've got kind of like the model community, don't they? For, for a game, as far as supporting each other. Um, it, it's in some ways, well, it, it's it's somewhat analogous, I guess, to the, um, the way the Anchorites do each other, but Dungeon Crawl Classics, classics they all boost each other and they they keep really good records and links of everything and um it's really kind of friendly to get into um and this post uh Claytonian JP did over at kill it with fire dot killitwithfirerpg.blogspot.com Claytonian is an awesome artist he did the uh gibbering mouther in um uh Psionic platypus scene number 1 And also uh, has a module out for um, DCC, the Wizardarium of Calabraxis, that uh, I see get mentioned uh, quite a bit, Um, did the writing and the the art for that. But put up a great post, Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game, frequently asked questions and links. And it's a Google Doc with tons of info on DCC, and it's got a list of all the modules available on Lulu, um, all this stuff. Um, over, you know, uh, I mean, it's endless. I, I, I'm not gonna go into everything. It's got a list of all the modules by first and third parties, expanded dungeon crawl classic stuff. You know, including, you know, blogs, this that, and the other, frequently asked questions, podcasts. Um, if you're into DCC or just getting into it in particular, this is a kind of a one-stop. Bookmark link to grab this that will kind of cover you with everything there is, you know out there with the dungeon crawl classics um, so Which it's a great game and you know, like I say, I think they the community is is remarkable They're always working on some kind of community project like the gong farmers almanacs, which are unbelievably great um, just something to kind of admire, you know, I I admire the folks that, uh, that do this stuff with DCC. So kudos to y'all rock stars really are. And then, uh, speaking of great community, you know, uh, for Holmes basic, the Xenopus archives.blogspot.com. You've undoubtedly, um, been here if you're into, um, homes basic, because, uh, Uh, Xenopus Archives is just totally dedicated to Holmes Basic, and, you know, it has really just continues to stretch more and more out of that game than uh, most people may have ever even thought possible. Um, Always doing something interesting and keeping it alive. Real passionate about that game. Well, they put up the Holmes Basic G Plus Community Archive, and what's cool is, yeah, they uh, archived the Google Plus Holmes Basic Group. So that is just awesome. I mentioned a few weeks ago someone else had archived a bunch of groups from G+ and uh it's over 2000 posts. Uh, 2100 posts actually. Um and they were really active on G+. I was seeing something, you know, it seemed like near daily there was something going on uh for Holmes Basic. So this is a uh, you know that stuff is not lost. It's it's archived here. So that that's a great thing if you're if you're into the the Holmes Basic rules. Um, or just anybody into OSR, it's great to have this stuff backed up and and saved, you know, hopefully forever. So yeah, for if you're into Holmes Basic and DCC, those are just a couple of those really helpful links that you want to bookmark, have saved uh, because you, you, there's a lot of uh, quality and and uh, meat to them. Yeah, uh, delirium setting in. <laughs> gonna have to listen back to that one and see if i made sense i'm not even sure what i said hopefully it made sense good stuff for dcc good stuff for homes basic thank you some cool miscellaneous stuff this week um over at the ruins of Merkhill hill blog original dungeons dash and dash dragons.blogspot.com put up a post celebrating blackmoor campaign day april 17th, 1971 and so no one knows the exact day when the Blackmore campaign started, but according to John Peterson, Kent David Kelly, Shannon Applecline, and other folks that have done a lot of research, it's that's the day that they call it uh, the beginning. Uh, so it's amazing how something, uh, you know, someone's game, home game, all those years ago has led to the explosion of popularity and, and, and everything, the culture and everything. Uh, That's happened from it. So um, it was a cool post over there from uh, Helen R. Frosthelm over at the ruins of Merkhill celebrating Blackmore Campaign Day on April 17th. Legendary Anchorite, Shane Ward, the Gilligan's Isle of ADD over at Shane's Three Toadstools blog. It's not the uh, spelled out three. It's just the number three. Three com. Shane had this cool idea. A 10 monster setting. It's where you come up with, uh, you pick 10 monsters and build a mini, mini setting around them. And it kind of, 10 monsters is just enough to where you can kind of have a hierarchy and kind of a cultural thing going on. It's like, how do they interact? Who is there first? Who wants what from who? And several people have done these and tagged it as a 10 monster setting. And Shane's collected some of them under this post that I put up there on the uh, the blog. So uh, Shane, you legend. where you go. Also at uh, Christian Richards at the Christian, uh, the Crooked Staff blog. Crookedstaff.blogspot.com I brought up Christian before. Christian does a lot of mapping and some uh, little adventure pro- uh, products. Some stuff for 5th edition and some old school sorts of stuff too. And also really just this cool paper craft post. Uh, make your own chests and crates. And so it's even got a little video to show you how to use it. It's a free pay what you want, uh, product, um, that you can download or a drive through and build these little crates and chests and barrels and stuff for your, for your table. And, uh, it's really cool. So, um, if you, if you're into paper craft or like having a little kind of, um, props and stuff in your game. These look awesome. So make your own chests and crates. Uh, go over to crookedstaff.blogspot.com. And finally, on the miscellaneous front, I've mentioned Justin Alexander before. The Alexandrian blog, thealexandrian.net, um, is doing a series, uh, developing this Trail of Cthulhu scenario. So it was another call, call of, th- call of Cthulhu sort of thing. I wanted to bring up Trail of Cthulhu a little bit different. You know, it uses the Gumshoe system from Robin Laws uh started in a game called Exoterus and now it's expanded to a number of different games including the new Yellow King RPG which uh I got the PDFs from the Kickstarter but the the books unfortunately are are late or getting later because of uh printer issues which is unfortunate but that's going to be a really cool game uh when I get my hands on it I just I don't really enjoy reading from PDFs unless I absolutely have to Anyway, this post, uh, Left Hand of Mythos, the Trail of Cthulhu scenario. Uh, Justin is serializing the scenario for Trail of Cthulhu that was originally run in an abridged format at Gen Con 2017, and I think it's up to five p- parts so far, so if you're into Trail of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, or Gumshoe System, whatever, uh, I thought this was something cool to check out, another neat series to follow along with, and Trail of Cthulhu never gets a, much support on the blogs. Uh, when it actually is a kind of cool variant on Cth- uh, Call of Cthulhu. The whole idea is basically, based on your background skills, you automatically get some clues. You don't have to roll for them. which So it plays a lot different, but it's still the same kind of bleak um, horror game. Still that same kind of vibe. So go over to thealexandrian.net and check out that Trail of Cthulhu scenario, The Left Hand of the Mythos, if you're interested. All right, so my final topic today is called the sweet spot, and this is based on a post at Crossing the Verse, com. There's a link over on the Thought Eater blog. And the post is called On the Not Superhero. I used to think that D&D had a sweet spot, and it talks about how they played 3rd edition thought the sweet spot was somewhere between levels 5 and 10. They go into their thinking on that based on when Wizards got their spells and how things got ridiculous after 10th level and there's a sweet spot range. And but, and I think a lot of people have that. I've said it many times. I know it was, I've said it about 5e, but it gets complicated around 9th level. Certainly 4th edition had a sweet spot. A lot of people talk about preferring the low levels and a sweet spot in classic D&D, whatever. But this one's tra- saying that they've come to question the assumptions in recent years. And it's kind of challenging the idea that there are, you know, the, about the sweet spot. And about, really, let's see. There's a great quote in here. Um, the sweet spot is, The sweet spot is predicated on evaluating player character effectiveness against a constant measurement, where the correct thing to do is to change the measurement. This would be the one time that moving the goalpost is a good thing. And so it's kind of talking about the sky is literally not even a measurable limit, you know. And so the higher level to, you know, to instead of trying to keep everything in that kind of low level or mid-level uh, scenario to go for it. You're drafting the fight against the force of good and evil, you're setting up influences across the planes, breaking down the boundaries of time and space. You're on the path to becoming a god, maybe even the god if that's where you set your sights. So I thought this was really interesting. And it, and it goes on, it takes a little bit of a pot shot at Matt Finch's uh, quick primer for old school gaming here. Um, it says, Old school gaming is, this is a quote from the quick primer. From uh, Matt Finch, old school gaming is about the triumph of the little guy into an epic hero, not the development of an epic hero into a superhuman being. There's nothing wrong with the latter. It's just that old style fantasy matches up with the former. And then this person who wrote this says, yeah, sure. For the short sighted and ignorant, the player who wishes to remain inside the comfort zone and the DM who doesn't want to be outsmarted. For anyone who's incapable or unwilling to learn what it means to run an empire, to become the superhero, to challenge the gods and fail along the way. Old school gaming is as much about limits as any other style out there, it seems. So they're kind of challenging the idea that old school, you know, that you can't reach the superhero godlike status, or that that's somehow not in the old school style or, or whatever. So, digest that. For a second, especially based on how poorly I probably explained it, but great post to, to, to go read because I, I found it a little bit inspiring to be honest with you. Because I am someone that believes in that sweet spot. Maybe it's just because of what I'm used to. Now I will say this: part of the reason that I put a sweet spot in some of those games is because the combat starts dragging and there's too many dang player options, right? But at the same time, how many games out there really do run into? 20 something level where you're using the whole B C M I sets where you're getting into that immortal crazy stuff and you are God killers. And you know, it, that's kind of a neglected thing, isn't it? So I was thinking if there's anybody listening to this that uh, wants to call in on the anchor app, uh, Anchorites or otherwise, uh, that's done something super Epic high level like that to bring it up and talk about it because it does seem like most of the stories you hear are just kind of wallowing around in the mud puddles, just outside the little village, you know, the same old, same old, and sure it takes a while and there's attrition and everything else. You know, some, you know, some groups don't stay together long enough to ever you know reach these high levels. But then there is that also that pushback, uh, wanting to stay with the familiar and, um, stay in that sweet spot you know that comfortable dm spot where you're not having to worry about too many uh wild character abilities and stuff is there a truth to that i don't know i mean i think there kind of is there's a there's a it's not quite as cut and dry as this person puts it like i say there are issues with just the game breaking down mechanically and there are um you know issues with how long it takes to get to the level you know it's, it's a complex thing However, if some interesting food for thought, why are you, you know, if you have a sweet spot, why do you really consider it the sweet spot? You know, I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was a really interesting post that, uh, spurred, spurred my imagination a little bit. If you want to read it for yourself and, uh, probably get a much clearer idea of what this person was trying to say instead of my paraphrasing. Go to crossingtheverse.wpcomstaging.com uh, or follow it over on uh, follow over there from the Thought Eater blog and read the On The Not Superhero post. Okay, another hump day behind me. Ah, you know, there's definitely some cool stuff this week. I don't know if my performance lived up to it, but that's the thing about doing this show. It's coming, like it or not. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like game night, you know. Game night it is what it is, ready or not. You got to be ready to GM. You got to be ready to roll, roll with the punches and improvise and, and do all that stuff. So it did my best and uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. I really do want to say listeners out there, you people checking out my stuff, I want to thank you. Uh, I love uh, having conversation with people back and forth on this. I love that people are, are enjoying it and uh, I'm hoping that I'm bringing you some interesting stuff some cool stuff that maybe you missed or turning you on to a blogger that, um, uh, that might become a favorite, you know, I really do want to thank, uh, Larry Hamilton for calling in also, uh, whisk for, for, uh, her comments on the, the little ad I did with, uh, with my sweetie and I uh, appreciate that. Also, uh, if you haven't listened already, I started a Top 3 Tuesday, a, a new um, show, a new weekly show to mix in with the Hump Day Blogorama, Five Minute Fridays, and the Night Below Sunday session uh, recaps, and the whole idea is uh, just coming up with a Top 3, something RPG-related and talking about it, and it was really fun. I think I'm really going to like doing that um, show, and I've gotten um, a suggestion already from WISC that I'll be doing next Tuesday. So if people have any ideas for top threes, you want to hear my opinion on something, uh, you can call in. If you've got any comments about today, I'd love to hear it, especially if it's something about uh, super high-level play that would be really interesting to me. I'll put you on there. Or you can message me uh, at frothsoft, frothsof at com. Also, on the, there's a contact form on the Thought Eater blog. Sign up, Platypus Zine. If you had not checked it out, download it, fold it, enjoy it. Want to give a special thank you to my patrons on Patreon. Y'all rock. It feels good knowing somebody wants to support you. It's a buck a month if anybody wants to get on board and uh, back me up, you know, with the uh, zine podcast and blog and all that good stuff. Patreon.com forward slash ThoughtEater. Frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Com, com.